Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. I've, I've got some people in my life that um, whenever they speak, I listen. Like I like hone in on what they have to say because I've learned from watching them that there are things in their life that I would like to see in my own. Not like envy or jealousy, but I've just watched the way that they follow the Lord. I've watched the way they make wise decisions. I've watched the way they've been faithful in what God's called them to do. And they've become, if you will, role models to me. And I, and I, and I go, I want to learn from their wisdom and from the things that they've learned. Now, some of them are people I've never met. They're just they're people that, whether through some kind of public forum or whatever, I've been able to observe their lives and I've just kind of become a student of how they live. Others, God has, has given me the privilege to have some really unique mentors in my life, and I'm very thankful for that. And people that when they interact with me, I'm, I'm listening, I'm trying to learn. And then some of them are actually in this room right now. It's, it's some of you that, that I've watched over the years that I, as I've been influenced by your life, I've taken note, and I, I learn things from you. And when you speak, I listen, because there's things I want to learn from you. Do you have people like that in your life? Do you know what I'm talking about? That when, when they speak, you go, I'm holding on to this because there's something for me to learn there. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 11 today. That's where we're going to be. We've been working our way through the book of Ecclesiastes, looking at some different topics along the way. We're actually going to wrap it up next week, and we'll finish up with the end of chapter 12 next week. But, but as we've talked about this, that's Solomon, right? So we believe that King Solomon, the, the king of Israel that we read about in the Old Testament, we believe that he was the wisest person who ever lived. He did a lot of dumb things, though, especially near the end of his life. And we believe that the book of Ecclesiastes is an older Solomon who's looking back at his glories, and he's looking back at his failures, and he's saying to himself, I want to pass on the things that I've learned to a younger generation. And so we have the book of Ecclesiastes, and he's sharing this wisdom with us. So when he speaks, we really need to listen. And there's some things that we've learned here along the way. And when we get to verse 8 of Ecclesiastes chapter 11, he's going to share some helpful truth with us that's going to be kind of our, our uh, foundation for where we're going to go today. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 8, he says this, However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all, but let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. So he says some interesting things here. He starts out by saying, however many years anyone may live. What he means is, your days are numbered, doesn't he? <laughs> like he's saying, look, you're only going to live for so long. At some point, you, you won't live anymore. So in the days that you've been given, in the time that you live, enjoy those days. Because he says, someday the days of darkness will come. When he talks about the days of darkness, he's actually talking about death someday, and this is just the reality that Scripture teaches, and we've seen it to be true, someday everyone is, is counted to die at some point. And he goes on to say, you will be dead more days than you'll be alive. That's helpful, isn't it? Right, isn't that what he says? And then, just to cheer you up, he says, everything to come is meaningless. And what he means is, look, your life is meaningless. What he means by that is not that it's worthless. What he means by that is that it's only going to last for so long. Some Bible versions, instead of using the word meaningless, they use words like it's futility. 
One translation actually calls it smoke, like it's there for a little while and then it disappears. And he says, because what you have will only last for so long, you have to make the most with what you have. You're gonna be dead longer than you're gonna be alive, so make the most out of the days that you're alive. And so he gives us this interesting principle. And as I thought about this, I thought, man, I wanna do what I can while I can. Because there will come a time when I'm not gonna be able to have an impact in this life anymore. Now what Solomon is not focused on here is eternity. He, he doesn't dabble in the afterlife a whole lot of what he teaches in Ecclesiastes. Now there is an afterlife, and we'll get to that here in a few moments, but Solomon is honing in on the life that you have right now, the breath that you've been entrusted from God with for this moment, and he says it's only gonna last for so long, so you make the most out of the days that you've been given. So today I wanna share with you three things I want to do while I can. Three things I wanna do while I can, because there'll come a day when I can't do these things anymore. There'll come a day when my life will not have the same impact that it has today in this life. So there's three things that I want to do while I can. Now this message today is for the young. It's for those of you who are filled with energy and dreams. And this message is also for the old. For those of you that maybe it's, it's more about memories and a few pains right now. And this message is for the person in the middle who's looking back at the first half and looking ahead at the second half and saying, I need some clarity on what happens next in my life. The reality is this message then is, is for all of us, the days that you have, what should you do with them? Three things I wanna do while I can. Here's the first one, number one, I wanna live well, that means I want to enjoy today. Number one, I wanna live well, This means I want to enjoy today. You might be surprised by this, but enjoying life is one of the major themes in the book of Ecclesiastes. The reason I say you might be surprised by this is, do you remember the second verse? Like the first verse of the whole book, and this was you know, back, I think, in, in September when we kicked off this series. The first verse of the whole book, he like identifies himself as the teacher. The second verse, Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse two, he says this, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, Everything is meaningless. It's worse with that voice, isn't it? Yeah. But you look at this and you go, what a pessimist. He's not pessimistic, he's realistic. And what you see is he's, he's mapping out the, the reality of life for those who are listening. But then he keeps taking this optimistic tone to things that we miss if we get stuck back on what we think is pessimistic at times. But over and over again, one of the major themes in the book of Ecclesiastes is he says, enjoy your life. Here's, here's five places. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 12. He says, I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. He says, look, find satisfaction in what you do. The place where you are, the life that you live, the moment you have, find satisfaction and be happy in it. The same chapter, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 22. He says, so I saw that there's nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work. That's, that's a tough one for some of us, isn't it? There's nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that's their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? He, he didn't say you have to like what you're doing. He says, but what it is that you're doing, enjoy this season in your life. Make the most out of it. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verse 19. He says, moreover, 
When God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil, this is a gift of God. He says the things that you have, the the possessions that God has entrusted to you, the money, the wealth, the resources that you have, God gives those to you to be a good steward and he wants you to enjoy them. Like enjoy this season that you're in. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, 15. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in all their toil, all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. He says, even though there will be times when you call it toil, you enjoy the days that God has given to you. Verse 9 of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, last one. He says, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. He says, look, enjoy your family. Enjoy the people that God has around you. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 9. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you. You're almost offended there, aren't you? (laughs) You know, you and your meaningless life that God has given you under the sun all your meaningless days. He rubs a little salt in the wound there. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. His focus there is not so much your meaningless and you toil. He's saying, look, this is life. This is the reality of life on earth. So don't begrudge it. Don't waste it. Don't gripe your way through it. Enjoy what God has given to you. Make the most of this life. So so if you go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 8, which we've already read, he says, look, you're only going to get so many days, so enjoy the years that you have. And then after he says this in verse 8, then he says something in verse 9. Look at this, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9. He says, you who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. So Solomon pauses there for a moment. He gives a word to the young. And I want to do the same thing. I want to stop for a moment and give a word to the young. Those of you that are in this room and would define yourself as as being young, I'm not going to define that for you because I'm not dumb. (laughs) Well, here's what he says. He says, if you're young, you have a life. Enjoy it. Like God has given you a life. He says, look, be happy with the life that you have and find joy in your heart. Make the most of these years of your youth. And what he's talking about here is the fact that when you are young, and you might not know this if you are young, this is the thing you kind of only learn when you're not so young anymore, that when you are young, you have an energy and you have a zeal and you have physical and emotional resources that aren't quite the same when you get older. Can I have an amen? Amen. Look, I don't mind telling you I'm 47. I don't, who said wow? Somebody grab our constitution. See what it says about excommunication. Like, is there, come on, right? I'm, 40, I'm 47, right? I don't think I'm old, and I know for sure I'm not done. I think I'm, I'm just hitting my stride, or at least that's what I told myself as I struggled to get out of bed this morning, right? Right? But here's what I know. 47's great, but I don't have the same energy at 47 that I had at 17. It's different. And it's different than what it was at 27. 
And it's different than what it was at 37. And I hate to admit it, it's different than what it was at 46, right? Right? Am I right or am I right? Okay? Am I right or am I right? Right? That was humble. Um, But here's the deal. You have energy in this season. So make the most of the life that you have in there. And what he goes on to say is you have a purpose. So make the most of what is in your heart. Look, God has put something in your heart to do. He says here, Solomon says, follow your heart. Go after what your eyes find to do. Now look, I'm telling you, in every single individual, and I believe this, God has hardwired something into us in which when we move forward in that direction, when we find that purpose that he's put in our hearts, it helps us to be fruitful and fulfilled in living our lives for him. Now you might not know what that is right now. You might have an idea, but you don't have the opportunity to move forward. It might not be time for that to come to realization in your life yet. It might be something that you're preparing for. It might be something you're moving towards. But I encourage those of you that are young, and Solomon says it in this way, you go after God's purpose for your life. Now look, that's important for us to hear, because for many of us, we've grown up in a culture, and an environment, and in an education that scientifically has told us you're just randomly here. Like, you're just here because you're kind of a scientific accident. And that's not what Scripture says. In fact, take it one more step. Some of you have actually heard that people have said that your life is meaningless. Like, you've been told that, that you're meaningless. And they don't mean that you're temporary, like Solomon does. They mean that you're worthless. And some of you have heard that. And that's stuck in your hearts. But that's not what Scripture says. Psalm 139, verse 13. The psalmist says, For you created my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. See, God has put something in your heart to do that he has entrusted and given to you. If you, if you held me to it and, and you said, Chad, you gotta tell me your favorite passage of scripture in all the Bible, it would probably be Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Did you hear that? You're his masterpiece. You're his handiwork. And he didn't create you randomly. Before you were ever born, far in advance, he created good things for you to do. He sees a special purpose for your life. And some of you go, well, that's, that's cool, but I don't measure up to that. Like, I'm not a pastor or a missionary or a rock star. I'm, I'm not a professional. I don't have a high profile. And I say, no, you're better than that. Like, you're you, and you're the only person who can do what God has called you and created you to do. See, it's not about likes, and it's not about followers. It's about obedience, and it's about being faithful to who God has created you to be. And when you come to terms with that, then you enjoy life a whole lot more. And if you're wrestling with some of that, some of you need to know you won't find true purpose until Jesus is Lord. You won't find true purpose until Jesus is Lord of your life. Because it's not until he's Lord of your life. What, what do you mean, Chad, Lord? means that you, the best analogy I know is that you let him be in the driver's seat. That you like let him hold the steering wheel of your life. 
And you say, God, you give me direction. God, you guide me. And it's not until he's Lord of your life that you actually really find life. Psalm 37, verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How many times do I mix that one up? Because I go, Lord, I'm going to go after the desires of my heart, and then maybe I'll come back to you. But instead, he says, look, you take delight in the Lord, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. So Solomon is real clear with this here, right? We're walking through chapter 11, right? And he's here in verse 8, and he says, you only have so many days, so enjoy them. And then he gets to verse 9, and he says in verse 9, he says, not only do you have so many days, but to the young, I tell you, enjoy the days that you have. Make the most of them, because you have a purpose, and you have a calling from God. And then in verse 10, he says this. Look at this, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 10. So then, banish anxiety from your heart, and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. He says, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. What he's saying there is do not let fear and physical limitations keep you from what God has put in your heart to do. Like This is a theme of chapter 11 when you read it. We talked about some of this last week, and we don't have time to go back there. But when you read chapter 11, he says, do not let fear keep you from what God has stirred in your heart to do. So you banish anxiety from your heart, and you don't let those limitations stop you, but live the life, enjoy today where God has put you. I've talked about this before, and I've got to be careful because I don't want to get in trouble, but probably, I'll just say one of my closest friends, I'm not saying he's man's best friend because that would be bold, but my best friend is a 12-year-old golden doodle named Samson. And uh, we named him Samson after the Bible character who tears things apart. Yeah, that was uh, (laughs) not wise. Here's a picture of Samson. This was Christmas last year. He has a little Christmas bone. He's a good-looking dog, isn't he? Samson's got some issues. He has a low thyroid. He has hay fever. He has congestive heart failure and arthritis. But don't tell him because he still thinks he's a puppy, <laughs> right? And uh, so every night when Rhonda and I call it a night and go up to bed, Samson goes up with us, and he sleeps in our bedroom. And in the morning, he comes down the stairs, but he's got this arthritis thing that's going on. So when he starts going down the stairs, it doesn't feel good. He also doesn't have the brakes like he used to, right? So once he's going, he's going. So we've had to put a rug at the bottom of the stairs because there's a wood floor at the bottom of the stairs. There's a carpet and there's a wood floor at the bottom. We've had to put a rug down there because when he's going full speed down the stairs and he hits that wood floor, he hits that wood floor, right? So Ron and I were in the kitchen the other morning, Wednesday morning, and we heard him coming down the stairs and somehow that rug had gotten moved and when he hit the stairs, he just, he, he hit that floor hard. Like you could hear him hit it hard. You're like, ah, Samson, you know. So we gotta move that rug back over there, something happened. So then Thursday morning comes, and uh, we, were, we were needing to get out the door, and so we had his breakfast downstairs, and he wouldn't come down. I was like, Samson, you need to, you need to come downstairs, man. And he's just standing at the stairs, and his tail's wagging, and he knows his breakfast is down there. And I'm like, come on, buddy. And he's like, <laughs> he won't come down, you know? Well, there are people still home. We gotta go. Rhonda and I left. Well, we come to find out, he stayed upstairs all day. Like, he didn't come down. Yeah, yes, you're breaking my heart now, right? 
He didn't come down until it was time for dinner. So then on Friday, I'm like, come on, Sam, you got to do better than that. I'm trying to think, how do I get him to come downstairs? And so I stood at the bottom, and there's just one thing that will motivate this dog beyond anything else. And I said, Samson, do you want to go for a walk? Oh, man. Tail goes up, right? You know? And he's standing there. But he's like, right here at the top of the stairs. Finally, I had to go and get his leash. And I had to, like, show it to him at the bottom of the stairs and, like, shake it a little bit. I'm like, come on, man, let's go for a walk. And I had to walk out of his sight until he had this, like, what do they call it, fear of missing out, FOMO, that he's, that he's going to miss out on the walk. And he finally took the courage to go down those stairs. Saturday morning, exact same thing. Like, he wouldn't take that first step because he had so much anxiety. He was afraid to take that first step. And when you're Samson, once you take that first step, there's no going back, right? But he was afraid to take that first step because he knew that in the past he'd gotten hurt down there at the bottom. Isn't that just like you and me? How many times do we stand and we look at our lives and we look at the times and the places and the things that God may have in front of us or calling us to do? And whether it's in acts of faith or it's in vulnerability or it's in our relationships with people or with God, whether it's in being willing to give 100% on our jobs or to other people, Somehow we stand in a certain place and we go, I'm just not so sure I can take that first step of faith because I know what happened to me the last time down there. And I'm not so sure I can do that again. And so instead, sometimes we spend our lives just at the top of the stairs going, (laughs) when God's literally at the bottom saying, look, take that step of faith because I'm going to walk with you. I'm right there with you. Look, I want to encourage you, do not let the fear of what may be ahead keep you from taking that first step. Solomon says, look, you banish that anxiety from your heart. And don't let what happened in the past put a limit on what God can do in the future. Do not let the fear of what may be ahead keep you from taking the first step. I already said it earlier. I know some of you have lost so much to betrayal or abandonment or disappointment, you're grieving, I just want you to know that God is there all along and he's saying, I will walk with you if you'll look to him and you trust him. And you say, God, I'll take that first step. That's not just a word to the young. That's also a word for us all. And then in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon has a word for the old. I want to share this morning a word to the old and you might say again Chad where does that start and I might say again I'm not dumb I'm not answering that question I know I'm older than I used to be and I know Solomon wrote this when he was an old man and so in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 he says this Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 1 remember you whippersnappers oh that's not in there (laughs) I think it's probably in the Hebrew it's probably you know he's just Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. When the grinders cease because they are few. You see what he's doing here? He's painting a picture of what it's like as you get older. Interesting, many theologians think that when he says, when the grinders cease, he's talking about your teeth. Right? He's painting a picture. So he says, when the choppers don't chop because they are few, and those looking through the window grow dim, 
When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. When people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. You could read that as a bit of a downer, but it's not because I think that's just where Solomon was. He's like painting a picture and saying, look, things change when you get older. And don't, don't miss that. And some of you read that passage and go, well, that sounds like Tuesday, right? Because you're thinking, my life's like that. What do I do? If maybe I find myself relating more to Ecclesiastes 12.2 than I do Ecclesiastes 11.9, what do I do if I'm old? Can I challenge you to treasure the days of the past? Like, we'll get to that here in just a moment. But don't forsake the times when God's been faithful in your life in the past. Even times when you didn't see it at the time. But you look back now and you can see. You treasure those days of the past. And you come to terms with your past and with God's goodness. And you enjoy the days of the present. Like It's interesting because Solomon says, no matter who you are, no matter how long you live, you enjoy those days that you have. You make the most of them. I recently heard an interview with a a guy named Gordon McDonald. He's a pastor, theologian, author. He's been a, a president of a seminary. And as he was talking, McDonald's now 80 years old. And he was saying to his interviewer, you know, the sins of an 80-year-old are different than the sins of a 20-year-old. And so the interviewer asked him and said, hey, when you're, when you're wrestling with things in your life, what do you wrestle with? He said, what are the sins of old people? And this is a quote. McDonald said, well, Fear. I ask, how am I going to die? Will anybody be there when I die? Will I die a long death or a slow death? Will I get Alzheimer's? Will I get dementia? Or will I peacefully go in my sleep? So fear. And bitterness is a sin of older people. Because my grandchildren never come home. And my son only wants my money. And my friends are all dying and there's no one left. And anger is a sin. Because I get frustrated that the system keeps letting me down. And it was insightful to hear him talk about these things. And realize that there are seasons in our lives where we have to recognize that what we need from God is his courage. What we need is his strength in the midst of our physical pain. And when depression may come in those tough days, we we might need a special presence of Jesus in our lives. For those of you who identify with those first few verses of Ecclesiastes chapter 12. We pray that you'll enjoy the days that you have. They're not always easy. They come with maybe less strength and maybe even sometimes less clarity or purpose than what the, few, the, the past had had. But that you would find joy and purpose in them and that you would do what you have to do. Young or old, do what you have to do. When Pastor Jordan spoke a couple weeks ago, he quoted from Ecclesiastes 9.10. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, you do that with all your might. 
And so in this season, it might be different, but you still have influence where you are. There's no statute of limitations on do what you have your hand finds to do, that you pray in ways maybe you didn't pray before, and maybe you make things right, because that scripture also says, in the grave where you are going. Isn't that helpful? (laughs) He says, when you get to the grave where you're going, you won't do anything there. He says, so you need to do what you have to do now. My question to you is, what do you want to do before you get there? Or what do other people need you to do before you get there? And whether you are young or old, one of of the admonitions that I would give to you so clearly today is that you would speak life. Like, Like this is modeled by Solomon in this book. See, in this book, you have an older man who is speaking life to a younger generation, and he is encouraging them and speaking life to them and saying, this is how you should live. There are people in your world, young and old, who need to hear you speak life to them in powerful ways. And I I would say that's especially true across generations. Have you heard anything of this this kind of okay boomer controversy? Anybody heard this? This has kind of been in the news that a couple weeks ago, not too far back, there were some people on Twitter in particular, but on social media, who were calling out millennials and Generation Z. So millennials, these are just rough gaps, but millennials are like those that are like um, 38 to 22, and then Gen Z, Generation Z, is like 22 and, and younger, and so those two generations. People were calling millennials and Generation Z out, older people, Gen X or boomers in particular, and calling them Individuals who have Peter Pan syndrome, which means you never grow up. And as Gen Z and millennials were hearing this, their response online was just basically to roll their eyes and go, okay, boomer. Like say it in a very condescending way. And so you had this tension between the generations, right? Where they're calling names to each other. And so this this term went viral, really, this okay, boomer with criticism about older folks. Can I, can I challenge you? that There's no place for that in the church, right? Like God, and you, we don't have time to jump into scripture, but over and over again, it says how the generations are to strengthen each other. Do not allow the tensions of the culture to dictate the status of the relationships in your life. Look, I know it's easy, especially in the workplace, to look at a different generation and go, oh, they just don't get it. And it goes both ways, right? Here's what I would challenge you to do. A lot of you may be prone to look at those older than you and kind of go, okay, boomer. And a lot of you older might be prone to look at those younger than you and go, ah, those millennials. You ever heard that? Whose fault is it, those millennials? I want you to take those same words but start saying them with a different attitude. What if those of you who are younger, instead of looking at those older and going, okay, boomer, what if instead you said, okay, boomer, You know, I think I have a lot to learn from you. Okay, Boomer, I I would love for you to come alongside and offer to help me in this journey of life. And okay, Boomer, I think I can speak life into some situations in your life. Can I tell you this? Some of the people who speak the most life into me are people who are older than me. And some of the people who speak the most life into me are people who are younger than me. And I'm so thankful for those relationships that challenge me and make me better than me because I want to be better than me. Anybody else? So change your language. Instead of saying, okay, boomer, why don't you say, okay, boomer, what kind of relationship can we have that builds each of us up? And those of you that are older, I would challenge you instead of saying, ah, those millennials, I would challenge you to say, you know, those millennials are really special. And God has created them to do something powerful for his kingdom. 
And I want to help those millennials to be better and to learn more, to help them to have some wisdom in a godly way. And I want those millennials to help me to be the person that God has created me to be as well. Wouldn't that be so much better? Look, you only have so many years, so enjoy them. Here's something else you may enjoy. I've gone too long talking about point one, so we're going to have to skip point two. <laughs> Let me give you the condensed cliff notes. If point one is live well and enjoy today, point two is die well and live for tomorrow. Look, he already told us you're going to be dead more days than you're alive. Doesn't he have a way with words? But if that's the case, then while you're alive, make sure you're preparing to die. Because verse 8 says, you, you live your life to the full. You follow your heart, but don't forget judgment is coming. Have you ever had to go back and look at pictures of you when you were in high school and what you wore then? Anybody? Like lately, I had a, one of those millennials that was talking to me about how I dressed and what my hair was like back in the 80s. It felt like judgment day, right? I was like, okay, I made bad decisions that I now regret. But someday you're going to stand before God and realize that the way you live today is actually preparing your life for tomorrow. That someday you will face judgment. And someday you will leave a legacy. And someday the decisions you're making now will impact your eternity. So don't just enjoy today, but live for tomorrow. Make sure you live well so you can die well and here's the third one, number three, last thing, that you would remember your creator. Number three, remember the creator. Multiple times in this passage, the teacher refers to God as the creator, not Yahweh, not God. He doesn't use one of those other titles. He calls him the creator. Why is that? Because when you remind me that I am the creation and he is the creator, it puts everything in perspective, doesn't it? It helps me to remember that my life actually comes from him. And then he says this, you remember him in your youth. Remember him in your youth. So back, here's, here's another word to young people. Here's what Solomon says, Ecclesiastes 12.1. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. He says, look, don't wait until trouble comes to get to know God. Get to know him now. Know his presence in your life as soon as you can because it will make all the difference in your life. Don't just remember him in your youth, but Solomon also encourages us as you read this, remember him in your old age as well. Remember him in your old age. Remember to come back to him and trust him and learn to enjoy his presence. You know, I think that, that my relationship with God, and I've seen this in other people's lives, I think it changes as I age. When I was young, he, he was more the source of my zeal and my energy, and I looked to him to guide and, and guide my steps. And then as you hit those middle years, I think he helps you to see more clarity and guidance in your life. And then I think as you get older, the presence of God, if, if you'll allow it, that presence of Jesus becomes even sweeter in our lives, where we see not only his faithfulness, but his help with us in a very powerful way on a day-to-day -day basis. He says, look, don't forget that God is right there with you in these few days that you have. Remember the creator, because when you do not remember, you forget. Isn't that true? Well, yes, Chad, that's true. <laughs> but think about it. When you do not remember, 
you forget. And there's far too many times in my life when I get moving right along and I forget God's goodness and his greatness and his presence and his power in my life. And I would do so much better if I would just stop and remember that I belong to him and how much he loves me, that he's right there after that first step saying, hey, I'll walk right with you. Don't forget your creator. Look, here's, here's just some places where you see this in scripture. Remember his faithfulness in the past. There's a passage in Micah chapter six where, where they outline, and, and it's, it's in the notes, and you, you find it there, Micah chapter six, where he talks about God's faithfulness in Israel's history. And if you're not familiar with Israel's history, you could read this passage and you could miss it, but what you need to realize is God's been faithful in your history too, has he not? So remember his faithfulness in the past, and remember him in the hard times, because the hard times will come. Isn't that the point of the book of Ecclesiastes? Look, at some time, the hard times will come. Zechariah chapter 10, verse nine, is talking about one of the hardest times in the history of God's people, and it says, though I scatter them among the peoples, yet in distant lands they will remember me. They and their children will survive, and they will return. Look, if you're in the midst of a hard time, don't forget God, don't dismiss God, remember God, put your hope in him, because he's promised you that he'll be there on the other side of this. And you remember him in the good times as well. I love this passage. Isaiah 46, verse nine. says, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, there is no other. I am God, there's none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. You put your hope and your confidence in him. And let's be honest. Like for some of us, this is tricky sometimes. For some of us, the, the toughest times is in the nighttime. When there's those moments when you, you find yourself, whether you're in the dark or you're laying in bed or you're alone in some way, and all the doubts roll in and all the fears roll in and the uncertainties come, and you're struggling with the past and you're unsure about the future, and in those moments, if you're not careful, the darkness isn't just physical, it can become something that overcomes your soul. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Psalm 63, verse six, tells us that you remember him tonight, right? In those moments, you remember him tonight, and it says this, on my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night, because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Here's my encouragement to you. Young, old, or anywhere in between, remember him today. And you might say, but Chad, this is hard. <laughs> Like, this is difficult because I'm in a tough season, or I feel like I don't have the help that I need, or I'm fearful about where I am, and I'm not so sure what to do. Look, that's the exact place that Nehemiah was in the book of Nehemiah. Like, Nehemiah was charged after the Israelites, where, where the Jews had come back from exile, and they're rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. He's in charge of building the wall, and Nehemiah's working on building this wall, and as he's building it, people come and they say, look, our enemies are coming trying to stop us. And other people are coming and saying, look, the people are so fearful. They're not sure how this is going to end. Watch what Nehemiah says. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. He says, after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome Fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Doesn't that make you feel like you're watching Rocky? Like that gets me. But do you see what he said there? 
Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And then you fight for what God has given to you. Look, for some of you in the place where you're at, young, old, anywhere in between, the days that you have, you enjoy them and you make the most of them and do not miss what God has entrusted to you. And in the midst of it all, remember that he's always right there with you. Will you stand with me? Whether you're in this room or you're in auditorium too, if you're watching this on a screen somewhere, we're gonna sing a song that, that we've sung quite a bit in the past. And it's really meaningful today, I think, because it says, I will look up for there is none above you. And I will bow down to tell you that I need you. You're Jesus, Lord of all. Just before we sing it, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just a thought, quick thought. Like how many of you would say, I have been in a place where it has been hard for me to enjoy life. And God, I needed to hear this word today. Will you help me? If that's you, would you just raise your hand? God, help me to enjoy things in my life. Thanks, you can put your hands down. Second question, how many of you would say, God, in the season where I am, I need to remember my creator and look to you and believe that you're gonna walk with me through this. Anybody just lift your hand, that's you, yeah. Awesome. Father, as we sing this song, God, as we make this our prayer, we look to you. We know that you are with us in every season. And so we trust you. God, we say that we will look to you in Jesus' name. Let's sing this song and make it our prayer. Thank you. I will look up for there is none above you. I will bow down to tell you
Lord, we thank you for the life that you've given to us. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. So Lord, would you help us to live it to the full, to enjoy the life, fulfill the purpose, to to move forward with, with faith, taking that first step, trusting in you, knowing that someday we'll stand before you and that each step along the way, we remember our creator who was with us in the past and will be with us in the future. We put our trust and our confidence in you. Now, Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. God, would you send us out with your special favor, with your wonderful peace? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.